Good to go. Fantastic. Oh, remind me, because you're not duelist anymore. What's your list? Sharp. Sharp. Okay. Perfect. No more duelist. No more duelist. Um, I guess you're ready to go. Ready to go? Ready to go. Anna Sharp, welcome to the Nonprofit Podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely to be here. So we've been friends for a really long time. Yes. Go ahead and uh, tell us what you do and... You know, yeah, you know, just tell kind of how you got to that profession. So I'm a mental health therapist. So I treat all things mental health, really. But my specialties, I would say, are they started out in substance abuse. I, I would say I would start it. OK, we're going to like cut right there. I'm going to redo that. OK. <laughs> Words. So fun fact about therapists mm-hmm. is your brain works. So I saw like four or five clients this morning. Mm-hmm. And then after that, your brain like s- melts, starts to go away yeah, yeah. and words aren't a thing. So I have like therapist friends, we Marco Polo and we're like words, think of, like <laughs> words. Yeah. So anyway, okay. So I am a mental health therapist. I treat all sorts of people, uh, people with all sorts of Uh, things that they want to change about themselves or their lives. I started out in substance abuse in uh, the jail, actually. So I would treat inmates who were incarcerated. And we had a substance abuse program that was, they would like all, they lived all in the same cell block and we would come in during the day, during the week. And um, then I transitioned into a more private practice setting mm-hmm. where I started to see I had done my internship overseas on an army base because my ex-husband is in the army. Yeah, that's right. So ton of PTSD exposure mm-hmm. there, but then substance abuse in the jail because of, that was the program was my main focus for a long time. Well, and what are what are the just like the what are the main substances you're talking about? So we were treating a lot of meth yeah, addiction. Okay. Um, and that was the main thing. We had mm-hmm. some heroin and cocaine. But it's but, a little bit more rare. I mean, it's Utah in, what year was it, like 2007? Okay, yeah. Utah in 2007, right. meth was like the thing. Some opiates. Yeah, Some yeah. pill popping, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Because so, it's big in Utah. Huge. Yeah. Huge in Utah. It's like a major problem. So, mm. so then I moved on to, it was time to move on, and I moved into more of a private practice setting. And uh, we were still treating substance abuse, but when you look at anything, depression, anxiety, substance use disorders, uh, there's a root. Mm-hmm. And it's not the substance. And it's not right. the anxiety, and it's not the depression. I'm not saying people are not they don't have the propensity to develop those psychological right. issues based on um, like intergener- intergenerational trauma and um, those types of th- things can be passed down through genetics. But like you can look at the research of um, Rachel Yehuda and she talks a lot about epigenetics and how people who were um, 
victims of the Holocaust, their offspring are more likely to have mental health disorders. Oh, that was the, um, uh, who's the famous actress that was in like Breakfast of Tiffany's? Uh, Audrey. Audrey, Audrey Hepburn. Hepburn yeah. yeah, so she was her, I think she was from a small town in Austria. And it was like basically, you know, they were that that generation was starved to death, so their genetics right. passed off. So now everybody kind of has a propensity towards obesity or something. Right. Okay. They, there's like a propensity towards like eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Propensity towards anxiety disorders are huge. Yeah. Um, what Rachel Yehuda did is she took these mice. It's I don't don't know if they were mice or rats. So I mean, we can look it up later. Sure. But rodents probably yeah yeah they were rodents and they were these mom rodents had their babies one group she took the babies away for a period of time yeah when you put the babies back there was this like really anxious looking and grooming behavior yeah 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 yeah. and you think it's cute but it's actually not yeah it created anxiety Mm -hmm. in those mice and then when they grew up to be grown-up mice then they were anxious Mm -hmm. yeah and their offspring were anxious and the control group just for regular mice. So I, epigenetics is a thing, mm-hmm. but usually uh, we can trace back any trauma, any negative belief system that you're carrying around that's really limiting to you, any depression, anything that you feel is getting in the way, we can usually trace it back to some sort of adverse life event mm-hmm. or some generational belief or something that's at the core. It never starts with the problem. So people always walk in with the problem, but the problem is not the problem. Right. We can always <laughs> go back into time. Well, it's kind of interesting because it, it's, um, what's the old, the old evolutionary theory, right? Was like the giraffe got its neck by trying to reach the higher leaves exactly. and it stretched, right? Yeah. And you think that's like preposterous, but in reality, like the emotional evolutionary adaptation is actually passed on through learned behavior. Definitely. Uh, at least like a large portion of it. Definitely. It's, it's a, and it starts in utero. Is what's yeah. crazy. Like yeah. babies sense, the nervous system develops really early on. Yeah. yeah. And so the baby starts to sense mom and the environment she's in yeah. very early on. And although I, I heard um, I heard something on my feed on Instagram the other day, a famous professor was saying that we're born with like 400 psychological traits that are going to emerge mm. through life. But how the environment reacts to that and how how we nurture that can create either something that blooms and grows within that person or completely stifles them and creates depression, anxiety, mood disorder, substance use disorder, mm-hmm. trauma, you name it, it can happen. I So what do you think, and this is totally from an ignorant standpoint but when i look at it i feel like and this obviously could be a bias of just like the time that we live in but i feel like we have more access and knowledge to understanding like psychology neurology like all of the things that would allow us to measure or or at least diagnose um pathology to some degree right anxiety depression all of these things that we see as negative traits of the human brain um, but it also seems like because of that, we have more, right? Like mm-hmm. there's, it's more prevalent. And now you're, you're talking are. about like, we have a culture that really doesn't need to do anything. I, I mean, that sounds trite because they do, you still need to work and, and maybe that's part of it. 
Um, but I feel like what is the connection here where I'm saying like, how can, how can we know about something and actually be able to handle it less appropriately? That's a really good question. There are a couple of problems that I see okay. generally. So there's this, I need to feel included. And the popular thing at the moment is like amongst teenagers is what I'm noticing uh, that if I can be part of a traumatized population, if I can be, mm. if I can have a mental illness, mm-hmm. then oh, I am fuck. in. Right. Okay, we have to. You have to go down this road because we're going. Yeah, okay, this so is, this is fascinating to me, yeah. and it was only so our friend uh, Milda, who passed away, she had a daughter, uh, survived a plane crash, the sole survivor of this plane crash. Um, you know, she's kind of all on her own, but she's a fascinatingly intelligent girl. Like, so me and Aaron check in on her. And make sure she's doing okay frequently because she was London's best friend. So we're like always just trying to see what she's up to. And uh, she was, you know, basically psychology saved her life. You know, essentially like her therapist was her person who brought her out of this, you know, who knows Trauma, like I don't know how I would handle that kind of trauma. Yeah, that she's age. horribly traumatized. For sure. Yeah. Heavily. For sure. And, and like, you know, who knows what, what will end up happening. But it seems like to me that she's handling it very, very well. And by very, very well, she's very aware of the traps. So she's she's self-aware. And so we have these conversations about it. In fact, I had an idea to have a podcast with just her oh, that would be along cool. the way of just like me always interviewing her about shit that she goes through. Like she's working at like a fast, she worked at Chick-fil-A. And I just wanted to like, what, her interaction with people fascinates me. But what she identified to me uh, in her school, she's like, it's so weird. She's like, unless you have something wrong with you, you're not normal. Yep. Like the normal is to be like, oh, I'm neurotic. I'm this, I'm that. And it's like, you know, she's like, besides the fact that you're not supposed to self-diagnose, right? Like there's like, it's like and she's like way above people's pay grade. I think when it comes to like understanding psychology, because she's had so much therapy to try to help her come out of this trauma. But she's identifying in her friends and other people, these symptoms of, um, what I would call, well, it's a kind of a form of audience capture for mental disorder, mm-hmm. right? So you have, and I, and I, I wasn't aware of it until I watched, um, I think Barry Weiss had something on her podcast, honestly, where she had somebody come on and they talked about how, um, instead of thinking about it disorder, it's like the new kind of the, uh, I would guess woke language for lack of a better term for it is to, is to call it like non-consensual reality as opposed mm-hmm. to schizophrenia or multiple personality disorder or one of these like definitely uh, pathologies that are like affecting somebody in a negative way where they can't exist in society as like, you know, quote unquote normal, I guess. I don't know how unuseful that term is at this point, but um they're, they went over a bunch of videos where people will actually like TikTok themselves yeah. coming in and out of personalities. Yeah. And at some point, you got to feel like that's not like at what point, and maybe this is unfair to just assume that like not all of it's real, right? But I don't know how to tell the difference, but you understand that there probably a lot of this is an act. Yes. And how do you, so as a professional, how do you split the difference and how, uh, on the bigger picture, how harmful is that to to amplify these like pathologies? So I'll tell you my 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 patients mm-hmm. who actually have true disorders mm-hmm. are highly offended by all of this. 
like what's happening on TikTok. Yeah. Okay. They're offended by the fact that schizophrenia is becoming non-consensual non reality. Like they're like, no, I'm schizophrenic. Like <laughs> that's that's what it is. Like I need to know what's going on with me because the queen bee is telling me to burn down the house. Right. I need a name for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Like my I, I have I treat dissociative identities. Mm -hmm. In people, like that's right. one of my specialties. So it's multiple personality disorder, like the old term. Yeah, for that's it? the okay. old term. Okay. The new term is dissociative identity di okay. identity disorder. Okay. Um, and I had a client recently who was trauma, like she was like, I wouldn't say traumatized, but highly upset coming into session because there was some person on TikTok showing themselves going in and out of personalities. <laughs> I have not had one client in my career, and I've treated many, who will publicly exploit their mental illness. Mm -hmm. They will not do it because it's not appropriate. It's it's not helpful to people to see people to see somebody switch alters. Mm -hmm. Like that is something that they try to keep in check so that they can function. Yeah. And and the reality is is when a person switches from one alter to another. And I can talk more about like there. The thing is, is like in order for someone to become DID, mm -hmm. there has to be horrendous trauma in right. their childhood. It is a, it is a disorder of childhood mm -hmm. that comes from massive trauma, massive neglect, mm. usually at the hand of caregivers. And so these people have survived what would be unsurvivable to yeah. most people. And so they have learned that they the alters learn that they have to be very subtle in their switches. And it's usually a very subtle switch. It's not like this. I know there was a movie that came out. Uh, what was it called? It it was a guy with multiple personality disorders who kidnapped somebody and... Um, oh, I, I think I know what you're you talking about. You know what I'm about, talking about? Yeah, yeah, I, I've yeah. heard of it. There's also, I was gonna mention kind of the same thing in pop culture, uh, which it may or may not be a real uh, phenomenally talented person is named Ren, R-E-N, yeah. mm -hmm. guitarist. I, I mean, when I saw the video and it's kind of the song is, essentially about his dissociative disorder right him switching in and out of kind of personality kind of like an m&m thing uh -huh. but in a like in a very like alarming almost entertaining way mm -hmm. and you're like at the same point i'm like i love it because it's like the most creative thing that you would ever see so we have a, there's a difference between so these tend to be really creative people mm -hmm. i don't know this particular yeah. artist so so most of my folks will, I've never actually had a client who will go publicly and say, go on TikTok and show themselves switching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's actually really hard to do. Most of the time they don't necessarily know who's in charge or what's going on. That's why we come to therapy and that's what we're working on. And we're working on horrific trauma. Mm -hmm. So they're highly offended when they see, and they can pick them out. My clients yeah. can pick out the fakers so fast. Well, right. that's kind of my question about it, right? Like yeah. if one personality decided to TikTok, who's just like, that's a, that's the common thread that goes through all the personalities mm -hmm. is they all want to be TikTok stars. Like that seems... It, it doesn't. It's highly unlikely because <laughs> what you actually have um, within a person with dissociative identities is you have vastly different personalities. Mm -hmm. Some that are extremely shy. Some that were meant to hide from mm -hmm. the perpetrator. Some that were mm -hmm. meant to take the abuse to protect the others. Some that were meant to like mom and dad so they could get what they needed and and some that were meant to hate mom and dad and so there was like this like when is it safe to be seen when it right. is, is it safe to be unseen all of the, there's 
there are so many layers to that. The likelihood that they would all want to be on TikTok is like, I would say zero. Yeah. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and- do, you, do you think that points to probably maybe that like um, they're, I guess, for lack of a better term, fabricating a disorder, but the disorder is actually something new that we haven't identified yet. Like there is probably a disorder about getting public attention or or, or something like that. It's like, I, I don't know what even to describe it as, but it, when you see it, you're like, oh, they're pretending to be this other thing, but it actually classifies them as this other disorder of society. Usually what it comes down to is this category of personality disorders. Okay. So you ask the question, is it harmful? Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck yeah, it's harmful. It's it's so harmful because we have these young minds who are exposed like they have never been before mm-hmm. to TikTok, Instagram, all of the social media platforms. And then they have people who are, for lack of a better word, I'm not saying that these people are not suffering. Sure, yeah, yeah. But more than likely, if they need that much attention, those behaviors are histrionic behaviors. Those are behaviors mm-hmm. of... I did. I wasn't seen enough, right. so I'm going to be over the top, and this way I get the attention that I didn't because I have a massive attachment rupture in my past mm-hmm. that I don't want to heal, and I am getting paid to do this essentially. Mm-hmm. If they have a ton of followers, yeah, it's, it's rewarded behavior. It's totally rewarded. <sighs> now that being said, I do have some clients who are artists who mm-hmm. have DID and who are artists, beautiful artists. They put their art out there. Um, I, it makes sense to me that someone with the ID would want to share their music mm-hmm. and, and that maybe they have more than one part of themselves that has the common theme of music, mm-hmm. yeah. not necessarily performance, but like will assist in writing. Like I do have one client who writes music and performs music and it might be the grounding thing. Yes. For them. Okay. It's like the common, it's what brings everyone inside together. So that is less like it's less harmful Mm -hmm. that type of a like public persona or appearance than going on tiktok talk and saying oh this is how my part switch i have never seen anyone just oh i'm gonna get in front of the camera and i'm gonna show you amanda and yeah (laughs) jessica and like that is not how it works yeah that's not how okay so this is like an interesting this is really fascinating to me maybe as a as like an entry point into just trying to understand the human psyche yeah. as a general <laughs> it's a force of some like it's a uh, i i would call it like the human psyche is kind of an immeasurable energy yes right it, it, what we call um i i don't know like it's like anything it's 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 one of those things that we know exists but you can't really prove it but it, it's obvious to everybody yeah. like it's a part of your conscious awareness and these personalities come out so uh, what, first of all, like, what is this the thing that first interests you in like psychology? Was just the human aspect to it, or was the therapy part of it? It was the human aspect. I would say that I'm just. I think I find humans very interesting. Mm-hmm. I find human behavior very interesting, mm-hmm. and I think that my probably my interest was most peaked in high school when I took a psychology class, and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, this is really cool especially the abnormal psych stuff. Like it was mm-hmm. just interesting. And and I liked watching people's behavior. I'm kind of like mm-hmm. the person who likes to sit, sit back and people watch and <laughs> make up stories in my head about what's going on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my own internal dialogue can be a little interesting. Like I can have a whole backstory on people and 
and it's probably not even true, but it's just how my brain works. And so, so I majored in psych mm -hmm. just because I didn't know what to do. And I was like, oh, it's interesting. I may as well enjoy my major. So I'm going to major in psych. Thought I might go to medical school or do nursing or something. Mm. I worked in healthcare, didn't love it. Mm. So after I graduated, I was like, well, the jail was hiring um, one of my internships um, in, in my undergrad was working at the jail because the criminal aspect also really interested mm -hmm. me. And so I was um, in what they call pretrial where we would screen people as they come into jail. Uh, if they're okay. non, if they're not um, likely to be uh, violent, mm -hmm. then they get released on pretrial just to help overcrowding and then right. they have to report to an office. So that was like my internship. And then at the jail, as I was graduating, that's when a position came open in the substance abuse program I worked in for someone to just run groups, like do psychoeducational groups. And I'm like, well, let's see if I like it. Yeah. And then I'll decide if I want to go to grad school. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. The people I worked with were so interesting. I loved my, mm -hmm. like running these groups. The people were fascinating. These are normal people who've had a shit life. Yeah. Is what it came down to. They were all so nice. They had all, some of them had done really violent things, um, so, and I learned really quickly. Like we judge very quickly, but we have no idea what yeah. people have been through. So this is, I mean, this is kind of an interesting aspect. Um, you know, we talk about it. Uh, Ryan uh, Higginson, who has been, I mean, he's kind of body worker, but he's like kind of a spiritual savant. And so he's been, we've been training together, training with him and doing like breath work and other practices, uh, like traditional medicine for quite some time. He's actually who introduced me to like uh, traditional medicine. And, um, you know, that we, we often land on traditional teachings and they would be considered like Eastern or spiritual in some form or another. But what I find is that they're actually have nothing to do with your belief necessarily they have to do with like they are features or commonalities among humans who have better experiences yes. in a lifetime yep. and one of them is uh you know obviously like you go over the virtues of like love um and you get to you know forgiveness and the, these are all like the higher order uh, emotional states or i think some people even practice like they are, are their own entity they are their own energy and you kind of invite them into your being to be being with love or being with compassion and when he was talking about compassion which is probably the hardest one to foster i think is like somebody who's very self-aware um the awareness is only going to lead to compassion actually and I think what you're talking about really uh, mark this for me because the practice, compassion is a practice of a virtue, uh, is just a heightened sense of awareness for somebody else's situation, right? So you right. you take you know for for a while outside our building we have campers, you know, and in, in Salt Lake if people don't know, and I would call them homeless, but it's not that, right? Like it it's not just destitute and without a place to live. It's it's kind of like a lifestyle of rampant drug use and it, it tends to be like they're kind of consciously or or at least maybe not so much because they're addicted to so many substances but they are opting into this lifestyle mm. right and it seems like a terrible existence like it seems like it's really hard and some of this so we, we deal with like a lot of people that probably have addiction problems and a lot of 
personality disorders. There's a lot of mental disease within that. Maybe it's caused by the drugs or maybe, you know, it's induced or something. Like, I don't know which came first, you know, because uh, meth is a hell of a drug. Oh, it is. Tasty it's fucking up. really weird. Yep. Um, but the practice, which is really interesting, is just, just try and sit and imagine what could get somebody to that circumstance. We think about it like it's their circumstance is just they made one choice and then they're there. And therefore, they probably could have just changed their choice. And we're like, duh, why didn't they just not do that? And you're like, actually back up. And and this is kind of a weird story. Fuck, maybe it's too personal. They probably don't listen to it. I should probably be okay telling it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'll change names. All right. So I have a friend, right? And his his wife is, for lack of a better time, like, word uh, a cunt like i mean through she sucks and she's always everything we've tried to be nice but she doesn't really have decorum like that like it just doesn't exist and so we just kind of laugh about it because what are you gonna do you just have to like put up with her family get togethers or whatever um and it's really weird to me because she's um kind of misshapen in the facial area like it's kind of like off like it's crooked and it's unfortunate, but it is like part of what I find is weird. It's like, man, she is so mean. But, and it didn't dawn, I've known her for years, right? And we've like always just been like, I don't want to go around her. I don't, in fact, I don't even want to hang out with my friend because she's so hard to deal with. So we don't really have a relationship with those people anymore. But we were thinking about it one day and Aaron said something about it and it dawned on me. It just like, it like zoomed in like to her entire life for whatever reason, it just like unfolded. And I thought about Cause Aaron was like, oh, I just don't know why she's so mean. And I thought about, it, I was like, Aaron, like you're actually pretty. Like you're like, you're like kind of unrealistically beautiful for like the average person. When people look at you, there's an attractive, their eyes brighten up and they want to like be next to you because beauty attracts, right? Like it just has this, you see it in nature, you see like a, you know, a ratio of plants or something. You want to go to the waterfall with a serene rainbow or whatever. It's like beauty just draws you in imagine if you were born misshapen and from your entire being every first reaction you got from somebody was a subconscious like like a like a repulsion it's an energetic you can't even help it right like you see somebody who's like kind of that misshapen you just kind of go like oh it's like the you know the hunchback of notre dame feeling where you're just kind of repulsed now imagine your entire life every interaction compounding that that you the the interactions you have with people are they're kind of repulsed by you subconsciously even if they're nice to your face you can tell that they don't want to look at you or they don't want to be around you there's a rejection there on a massive scale now compound that you know 20 30 years of life experience and you're gonna be kind of a dick yeah because you need to protect yourself one of our most core needs is belongingness Mm -hmm. Mm. we we are tribal we are not far removed from our ancestors but we are living so differently Mm -hmm. than we were even 100 150 years ago where we're so separate we are tribal 
And belongingness is how we survived as a species because we are soft. We do not have big claws, big mm -hmm. teeth. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're, we're the apex predator, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that's because we work together, right? right? So yeah. we're tribal. And so one of the most innate needs we have is belongingness. And for someone who's misshapen, who feels the repulsion of others, they would have to build this wall to survive, to say, okay, well, you know what? Clearly, I'm not being accepted. Yeah. And so then what do I then have to do in order to function in this world? It's almost like they have to reject other people yes. in order to accept the rejection. Right. And, and a lot of the times when I look at like a scenario um, where somebody's kind of an asshole, I would call myself, I would put myself in that category. And the only reason I realize this is because uh, I would say that like I'm a fairly loud mouth person, like, and I don't hide my opinion very often. And a lot of people thought that I was really mean for a long time. And I never considered myself like a mean person until I realized that my internal dialogue was much worse than what I gave other people. Like my opinion of myself was actually very harsh. Therefore, my slight criticism about what somebody did or what they said, that was not, that was like getting off easy. And it, I was just like so unaware of my internal dialogue and how important that was for how I treated other people. And the second I started treating myself differently just through like, upgrading my language or just being more careful. And I'm not saying I'm like, hug myself in the mirror and tell myself I'm beautiful because that that's not it. It's just being very careful with like, being honest about whether I am good at something or deserving of something or something like that. Like we're still fairly harsh people. <laughs> Does that make sense? But you softened it up. A little bit. You yeah. softened it up a little yeah. bit so that it wasn't because our, our brains are always trying to make sense of the world mm -hmm. and make sense of our experiences. And so when you have, we, we all have the inner, inner critic. I reference this a lot in therapy. We all have an inner critic. The inner critic is good. It keeps us on point. We shouldn't lie to ourselves. Mm, no. I'm not the soft therapist. I'm not like, yeah. oh, you're so, you're perfect. And everyone else sucks. It's it's them, not yeah. you. No, you're in my office. You are you are here for help. We can't control the assholes of the world. Right. No, and that doesn't include you, sir. Like <laughs> I know you say you're an asshole, but you you're direct. I so, say you were really direct. Sometimes I'm an asshole. Yeah, like, well, yeah. but that's not who you are at your core. Sure, I, and that that's a good, so this is a good question, right? Like. Who who are we at our core? And feel free to get real weird. Like I have, <laughs> like I know your family. I know we're all weird together. What? So I and this is just maybe this is a bigger question. Um, I don't feel like even that I am, like I am not the personality I'm projecting. It's like a yeah. feature of my being in this one dimension. Yeah, and it's and and it's multidimensional, multifaceted. But it's like such a simplistic expression of what I think the energy that is me is. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. It, it, I don't know that we're ever going to know the question. And that's the, that's the like ever quest. Mm -hmm. oh. This is what we're always talking about is who am I? What is my purpose on this earth? Um, why did I go through what I went through? Why was I dealt the hand I was in life? Mm -hmm. We are so many things. We are the voices in our heads. And we all have them. We all have the voices in our heads. We are our emotions. We are our body sensations. We are our spiritual downloads. Mm. We are our perceptions, whether they're real or not. 
and it's ever changing and ever in flux. I, I sit here, like we've known each other a really long time. 20 years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I I am still as weird as the day that you met me, <laughs> but I'm also not the same person. Yeah, like, oh, for sure. I'm yeah. so, like if I look back 20 years ago to who we were when mm -hmm. the first time I met you, you were cutting my hair in mm -hmm. my dad's basement. <laughs> yeah, I just remember <laughs> that day actually. I was like, Andriana, my sister was like, I said I need to get my hair cut. I had yeah. just moved back from Germany. And I'm like, I don't have anyone to cut my hair. She's like, Michael will do it she'll come over to, he'll come over to dad's house and so i'm like hi michael and you're like hi and you're cutting my hair in my dad's basement like we were such different humans yeah. right mm -hmm. so we evolve over time because it's like this constant archaeological dig mm -hmm. into our psyche because we're so many things and if you want to get really weird and talk about okay there's this one plane that we work with but what about the other planes? Like I, all my clients tend to be intuitive mm -hmm. and tend to be really spiritual and really um, want to dig into, sometimes they want to dig into past life stuff. Sometimes they mm. want to dig into who am I in other dimensions and other realms. Um, I've had uh, friends and family who've passed away. So like, where are they now? And what does that mean to me? And how do they impact my life now? It's this constant archeological dig that I don't think we ever get to the bottom of in this life, yeah. which I think is fucking cool. Yeah. Cause it's like, makes life fun. We don't ever want to like get to that point it, it, where we're like, oh, I figured it all out. Yeah, because then the game well, is over. Yeah. Right, like the whole experience kind of ends once you think you have an answer to it. Totally. Which I which I think is reflected in people that think that they know what's going, that are convinced that they're correct. Their game is kind of over. Yeah, like well, they, they quit developing. Yeah. They stop asking questions because they have an, an answer. Mm. And like, I mean, it reminded me like when my folks moved, they gave me, it was a two, maybe a two page paper that was a child psychologist um, it was a child psychology class probably in high school or early college. My mom let them come over and observe me as like a two-year-old and write like a two-page paper. Oh, wow. And they gave my mom a copy of the paper and she tucked it in a folder and I read it at 40. Oh, and I'm, I recognized <laughs> wow. myself. Really? really? Uh, okay, I, that's so cool. I was two years old apparently. Um, I had very strong opinions on the rules. Everyone had to play by the right rules. Um, unless one of the rules I thought was stupid and then we could all ignore it. Um, <laughs> so great. Um, I, there were certain people I did not bite. <laughs> you were a biter. Apparently. But a selective biter. But a selective biter. Selective, very selective. Yeah. I was Good. very protective of my older sister. Oh. Like, That's like, and she was like, and like my grandma, like they were my favorite people that I would be around a lot and I would have like strong opinions of who could like interact with them. Yeah. And it was just like, and like I read it, I was like, oh, like I thought I grew a lot, but <laughs> apparently, <I've laughs> apparently just all I needed yeah, like, was someone who just was honestly <clears throat> paying attention without protection of my feelings or like, oh, yeah. this is this person that I love and therefore everything they do is good or this is a person who bothers me so everything they do is bad. It was just a 18 year old being like, that's what that kid's doing. <laughs> this is an objective yeah. observation. Yeah. And that's all it is. Yeah. And that's it was so cool. it was so funny to read and just like, wow, <laughs> like whoever this is had my number. Like and from they the saw get go. You. From the get go, yeah. They totally saw you. Well, and and the realization of like the stories we tell ourselves, like Yeah. You know, those behaviors as a teenager and as an adult 
I, I came up with reasons. Oh, this is why I decided to be like this. Mm-hmm. But and it's this just is justification. And it's like, oh no, you you're like that. <sighs> like I feel like our most authentic, the time our most, our most authentic, I think, is when we're probably about two, mm-hmm. because yeah. the two year old gives zero fucks. Mm-hmm. Zero. I saw. There's very little conditioning, right? Right. Like I saw one Christmas, Andriana's son is a year older than mm, my Nico. son. Like. It was, they had never seen anything violent ever. Like, it's like a pure, they had never child. witnessed anything violent and they were fighting over a truck. And my son headbutts Nico <laughs> and Nico body slams my son. It's like, yeah, it's an And I'm like, oh my God, like, this is, this is who they are. They're like, right. no, it's mine. I'm experiencing pure jealousy and envy, right. and yeah. I should be because that's like, ingrained in me mm-hmm. and i want it and he i don't like him in this moment but then i'm going to make up with him later because i love him at the same time and right. so i think that's when we're probably our most authentic selves and then we muck things up as we get older but we're still like it, it's fascinating that you have that piece of paper yeah. and you can yeah. just like recognize yourself <laughs> uh-huh. and be like oh okay i'm not biting anymore yeah, yeah what yeah, am i doing great. instead yeah. of biting verbal like okay perfect <laughs> yes i was gonna say what did biting evolve into yeah. so there's like this evolution too yeah. and then when we start the the other thing so my parents generation was not like spiritually connected in the way like we are now like at least my group of people were super into the spiritual connection Mm -hmm. like like beyond ourselves understanding we don't have answers Mm -hmm. because having answers is dangerous in my opinion yeah making observations is one thing having answers like and saying this is like how it is it's like strong opinions held loosely i think is a really good tagline right i think that's great i love it but like they never nurtured that spirituality like Mm -hmm. the spiritual side and the connection to to the to whatever else is out there even if they're religious even oh yeah. well religion i think is actually does the opposite where it's like these rules and it has to be this way when again we shouldn't have the answers we should just be in this process of discovery just like we're discovering ourselves that goes for everything else too it's this archaeological dig that we should always be curious about yeah and the minute i mean we can definitely like Andriana is a medium mm-hmm. and she even says, like, I'm going to, things are going to come out of my mouth that oh. I'm going to hear. <laughs> and some of it's going to land mm-hmm. <laughs> and some of it isn't. And, and I don't have the answers, but I'm just like, I'm just get, I'm just like letting it free flow through my mouth. Right? Yeah, people that don't know, she's our resident witch. <laughs> she's, like, <laughs> she's, like, she's legitimately one of the strangest alien people I've ever I met. I don't think she's human. I don't think she is either. Like, I swear to God, I don't know. I mean, she is, but her like, yeah, there's her energy is like from another planet. What she's, I've never found her to be like she. My parents, I remember meeting her for the first time, and I was like, "What is this? Like, <laughs> what, what is this thing? Like, she's so wonderful and." So strange, and yeah. she was weird from the get go, man. Oh, from, she was yeah. from that's, the get go. That's somebody who is she has kept her person. Speaking of like personalities that are ingrained. Oh yeah, like she has uh, this thread of just being a very strange person mm-hmm. ever since the day I've met her, and that's what I've always loved about her. Is like she's like pretty authentically weird. 
that goes historically back to the time that she could communicate literally. Mm-hmm. No, she's like, I, I would love to show you pictures. I mean, this is the this is awesome. the fascinating part, yeah. kind of of I guess when you watch people develop too, right? Like this becomes, uh, and maybe like I see some people, I'm not interested, like for whatever it is, and you could like maybe it's judgy, maybe it's like maybe I'm judging incorrectly too. Like I'm fully willing to admit that I've made you know, bad calls on people who I thought were good or I thought people who, you know, vice versa. But in reality, there's like sometimes an energy there where you're like, that's not my person. Like you can just kind of tell and I don't know what that is. And I tend to be attracted to very weird people. Like the stranger, kind of the better. They're like very unique. And I don't know why, but that's always like fascinating. Like Berkey's a very unique person and it's like from the day i met him I was like he's a very different person and I, that's why we get along so well because we're not anything alike mm. i think in that regard and but, same with you it's like even i think the first day that i cut your hair i was like this is a very strange person yeah we we were totally weirded out we were we we were like weirdos yeah. together in that moment like it was like i already knew you yeah and sure. i felt like i could just be my weird self and you were your weird self and we were I don't know what the thing we do. You know, the things we do like our weird body movements and the random sounds we make. And it is a really weird way to communicate, but it does. It's like an affectionate way of communicating. There's like a, Andreana does. She's like, she mumbles before she says something. And for whatever reason, that sounds right to me. And this is kind of the, maybe on the bigger, like, like what makes that, okay. So what makes that not a disorder? Like I'm just really a fucking strange person, and you're Good a strange person. Question. But but what makes it so I'm not like diseased? Like what is the what is the fine line that makes me think that okay, it will go a little bit deeper. I think that you know this is like an eternal soul ride, and we're punching through a dimension to learn lessons, and we're going to exit into a pure conscious awareness. None of that is provable. I believe it because it maybe it helps my psyche function a little bit better if I think that this isn't the end. Like, uh, if, if this isn't the sole purpose and process is just this one existence, then it helps me actually like be a better person without the punishment of hellfire or God or reward or something. It's just like, no, I'm here to learn certain things. Um, but if I were to describe that, I go, I believe in a magical universe that I can't prove exists. Right. <laughs> I think like I had past lives and those experiences I'm building into like a pure conscious state. And then I could just be like a being in the multidimensional universe experiencing what I want after I can learn to manifest what I want. But that that is like, you know, somebody says that literally and maybe they're a patient of yours uh-huh. or something. Right. Oh, they do. So what is the difference? Like, can you you recognize that I'm not, you know, disordered, though? Right. Correct. So how do you recognize that? Because your life isn't fucked up. <laughs> because your relationships aren't fucked up. You can keep relationships. Uh, okay. You can function as a human. Like you can have a job and you can do it. You can get up every morning and if, even if you don't want to, you can feed yourself. You can take care of other humans and animals. You take care of your friends. You are aware that you need to sleep. Mm. You're aware when you need to eat. You're aware you know how to function like you don't smell weird 
and I don't say that like no, in, no, in a rude way, like you have good hygiene. No, I know what you're talking it's about. It's like though. you function. So that's the difference. And and it's not <sighs> that my patients don't do that. Um, some of them are very high functioning, but they're fucking miserable. Mm-hmm. So that's the other piece. Like you were not supposed to be happy all the time. No, right. no, I, no, no. Again, I'm not like the, I'm not the fluffy therapist. Like <laughs> sure. let's learn how to be happy. We're going right. to look in the mirror and say nice things. No, <laughs> life is fucked up. We're gonna feel fucked up sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like there are some days I go home and I look at my husband and he's like, oh God, we're doing takeout tonight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, you look like a train hit you. I'm like, yep, pretty much. And so then it's pajamas and takeout and like self-medicating with sugar and then I go to bed. Yeah, <laughs> It is what it is. Yeah. It's like sometimes we just feel like shit. Yeah. That's okay, that's the human condition. But is it every day? Does it make it so that I can't interact with other humans does it make it so that i don't have any type of satisfaction in life we have to have some sort of something driving us right just the fact that you say i need to believe that there's more than this tells me you have hope that is good that means that you're not likely a depressed person people with major depression they don't see past like this this deep dark hole that they live in so when i first uh met you i was probably at the peak of my like militant atheist mm-hmm. right like in, in what's interesting is like although i credit that with probably my uh ability to educate myself because i understood very quickly that like i had been indoctrinated by a religion and that's probably what i'd later what, that's what I was fighting against, right? I was going swinging in the opposite way in order to self-correct, right? So I was going to the, you know, you're basically grew up in a cult and now I'm going the opposite way to be like Mr. Skeptic, Mr. Skeptical of the universe. Um, what I noticed really quickly is that it's non-functioning. Right. Right. Like I, I noticed that it did not help me to think about the emptiness and void and we still joke about it is like we kind of believe in optimistic nihilism <laughs> like there is no meaning so therefore you can create your own and it's like this like yay there's balloons but some people like uh, for a while there it was like there is no meaning nothing is worth it yep. you take the same sentence and it means something totally different yeah um and maybe the health the health of somebody's brain or mental state is just their ability to attribute what is useful and what isn't yeah. not what is real and what isn't but what is useful to getting them you know to take care of themselves to take care of their loved ones to have a better life experience right and, and if you would have like visited me mm-hmm. as a client at that point in your life i would have said we're bordering on depression yeah because you weren't super happy no. I hope that's not too personal. You can cut it no, out. No, no. There's but... nothing like I promise. <laughs> you, if it's been said about me, yeah. uh, it's been on this podcast. So, <laughs> no, I love you dearly. And you had moments of joy. Like we shared a lot of really fun moments. Mm-hmm. And then like when you started training me, mm-hmm. I feel like we got closer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would have said like that you were in a dark place. And, and if you had come into my, I don't generally like say oh here's a diagnosis yeah, yeah, like yeah, you come yeah. into my office yeah, and here's sure. your diagnosis yeah. if there's something blatantly going on like i'm gonna tell people oh this is what this is called if it's helpful right but i would say like you were like you weren't feeling great about your life you weren't feeling great about yourself your inner critic was like so super strong like he was 
he was running the show. Oh, for sure. And he was mean. He was a fucking asshole to you. <laughs> like, you were not nice to yourself. So, like, coming into my office, it would have been like, okay, dude, your inner critic can be really helpful, mm-hmm. but he's dragging you down so hard, you can't enjoy your life. Mm-hmm. I mean, you were punishing yourself, like, at, with, with, like... With everything. Everything. Like, with biking. Mm-hmm. I think you were cycling at that time. Yeah. And, like you were trying to get down to 4% body fat at one point. I was trying to get down to 170 pounds. Yeah, it's, you, it's you didn't, too. you weren't feeling good. So, but. It's <laughs> almost not feeling good yeah. at all. Especially about the diet. Yeah. I mean, about that time, to be honest, like, um, I, I think I probably have to credit Aaron for like pulling me out of it. I could see that. Uh, because she's like a naturally positive person. Yep. And it used to drive me crazy until I realized <laughs> I that know. it was much more helpful. Yeah. Right? Like it was just like, well, she's like, that's weird. I look at everything kind of like mired and like, this is human nature. People suck. And they like, and then she's just like, well, I just like look for this part. Like if people suck, then I don't go around them and I go here. And you're right. like, Oh, and maybe that's what like the cool kids would be called raising the vibration. (laughs) (laughs) She kind of proved to me over time that like my mental state was not helpful for like changing things. And I've been always kind of accept like obsessed with transformation, like being able to like constantly just move yourself into a new era. Uh, no matter, and it's, we're going through it now again because you never stop. Right. And it's interesting to be like, well, what are the parts that I want to keep? And what are the parts that I don't want to take with me? And that's really weird because that in itself to me feels like, a, it feels like sociopathy to me. Like I'm manipulating my personality even to the point where I'm thinking, I'm considering like trying to drop my voice by an octave. Like, because it might be different. Like I might affect people differently and I might affect, if I can affect people differently, then my environment changes and it affects me differently. And so it's like a highly manipulated life. We, we manipulate. I had a client in my office the other day and she said, she said, my parents called me manipulative. I'm like, well, of course you're manipulative. <laughs> We're all manipulative. Yeah. Let's, let's think of another word. We try to. We try to impact people. We right. try, we try to get what we want because we're human beings. So, so it becomes pathological. It becomes harmful when we're like trying to swindle somebody out of money. Like my yeah, father-in-law yeah, yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. My father-in-law. Oh my god, <laughs> I love him. I love him so much. But he got this like, he's sitting at my kitchen table and he gets this like you qualify for this just click here and give us your social security number like no <laughs> no like that's not okay it wasn't a nigerian prince oh my god like well then there's my mother-in-law who did go through that but we won't talk about <laughs> so there's like blatant like yeah. i won't i don't care if i hurt you manipulation and there's like this amazing social experiment called life yeah where why the fuck not why yeah. not lower your voice an octave and see how it impacts people why not like try something new on i didn't know until i was you were like hey come in and train i never considered myself an athlete Mm -hmm. and you're like come in and train and i was a shit show you know that like the first time i trained with you i was like oh i could lift look i lifted 105 pounds deadlift that's good right and you were like no it's actually not you're like you're down here and you need to be up here 
but the good news like is we're going to get you there but you have to be consistent and you can't flake out and you better be here three times a week and you were just really honest with me you're like look this is what i see your physique as like what you could be good at Mm -hmm. and you were right so like i never tried that on until i did and now I love cycling. I love mountain mm. biking because I have like the strong base that you gave me from lifting and from doing hard shit that I'd never thought I could do. And doing one of my favorite workouts we did, we called, you called it the floor is your friend. <laughs> that was, I still have that book. Do you really? I still have the book and I still do workouts from it because awesome. it taught me that I can do hard shit. And I'm like, wow, I didn't know that I could dig this deep mm-hmm. and that I could be an athlete and that I could actually really enjoy it and do things that I never thought my body capable. I didn't think that I'd ever climb a big mountain. Mm-hmm. And because of you, you showed me, oh, you do have a part of yourself that's an athlete. And then I climbed Cotopaxi with my husband, didn't make it to the top. Totally <laughs> will admit that I got altitude sickness 1300 oh, nice. feet, yeah. Yeah. 1300 feet before, but I still was on the mountain. Yeah, yeah. You and it had was, an experience. It was hard and it was fucking amazing. And one of the most spiritual moments of my life mm. as I'm like satting at a, 70 percent it's okay right (laughs) but we this is where we find it like why not try on Mm. these things that we never thought possible or that we never thought like it pops into your head why not try it i want to lower my voice an octave and see how it impacts my life how is how is that manipulative isn't bad it just depends on what are you what is your motive like what are you trying to get manipulative can actually be really good What, what do i do in therapy every day yeah, I'm like trying, people, yeah. I, yeah, I'm manipulating people. I'm saying, hey, the shit that you're, the stories that you're telling yourself are not helping you. They're mm-hmm. actually making your life worse. How about we start to unwind all of that where it comes from, get to the origin, be more body centered and go from the bottom up instead of the top down. Dean, it's funny. Your, um, your experience when we first trained, I mean, by the way, nobody knows your nickname is Big Anna. Big Anna. <laughs> 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 I told my husband that the other day. All hundred pounds of you. Um, do you know one of the most, it's kind of interesting where things go because obviously we were like training people to do things and it, it's all kind of built on this like hyperbolistic thing where you're like, get stronger and you know more, but it's really not proven, right? Until you actually see it. And I'd have to say, I don't know if this story is too personal, but. Don't tell it. Um, nothing's too personal I, I like you went through that you were coming into training and you're like you know doing the hard work right like showing up and throwing down and i think we had so, like we had insane like ridiculous workouts that we put you through that you was probably semi-dangerous <laughs> like i lived ad- admittedly <laughs> it's probably not the healthiest thing but uh one of your experiences, well, actually, your experience in general is kind of like caught me off guard, and that's it, it like changed actually how I thought about everything. Because before I was like, yeah, I like fitness, I like all this stuff, but uh, you had been training really hard, and then you got pregnant, right? Mm-hmm. And you were training through that, but we were being careful because you know you're small, and you probably uh, it's like a, it's going to be a hard pregnancy, and so we were trying to be light handed with everything. And uh, then he had a miscarriage Mm -hmm. and, you know, it was a terrible one at that. I mean, they're all terrible, but this seemed physically daunting. It was rough. Yeah. Um, And when you came in and we're just like taking it easy and just trying to get you back and you're like, you said something about the air bike that like I've never, it it, kind of solidified me knowing that the physical training crosses over into the psyche way stronger than I thought. 
is you're like, man, it was so hard, but I just kept thinking about the air bike and in like, you know, the voice that came into your head is like, you just have to keep going. Yep. You know, like this physical training carried over into life, life's worst circumstances. Mm -hmm. And it allowed you to access a part of yourself that you had probably no access to before. And that's really like, it like caught me off guard because I was like, oh shit, like what we're doing is like real. <laughs> like this isn't like make-believe. This isn't like rah-rah stuff. This is like legitimately training people to uh, have a better life experience. In, in Not better as in like, yeah, my life is fun. A better life experience is in being able to handle the hardest things that life can throw at you. Yep. And I think since that experience, like since your experience, I have taken it seriously. Like how I tell people things or when they don't take it seriously i go go fuck yourself i know big anna <laughs> <laughs> that's the biggest compliment ever you're like it, it, like you applied what we taught at the what i would say at the highest level and i say this all the time because people want to they want to know like what's it like training the stars and you're like it's boring as fuck <laughs> like, i don't know what do you want me to say you just like do the thing and it, throw money at it and they you know for six months they work really hard and then they're gone there's really like the transformation is almost superficial in most cases but when people talk about like aspiring things we talk about tom and rachel as being mm -hmm. like those are my students like that i go i'm most proud of them and they're like you know those fucking you know 45 year old couple from fucking harriman that quit their job and started their own business because they realized that life is short and they you know got this feeling through the physical training that they were capable of more and your experience was one of them that like when i think about people that have trained that have changed me that's one of the experiences it's that like means so much to me good it, i remember i was so i was losing twins is what it, yeah, it was really right. bad because i was yeah. losing twins at like 13 weeks and we were on the way to the hospital and I was having contractions and I just kept remembering because the air bike, holy fucking shit, right? It's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's a torture device. Satan's tricycle. But Trace, that's exactly what it is. And I just, your voice was in my head saying, you can do hard things. You can go harder than your brain is telling you you can. You can get through this. Keep going. And you are always there with me, even in your atheist, like dark era. <laughs> You were the one who spiritually got me through that shit. And and in the aftermath, after like it was all said and done, when I had to just like grieve, mm. I was like, I can do this part too. And I felt like I moved through the trauma because of the training that you that you supported. Like you were like you put this really safe space around me being able to like dig harder than I've ever dug in my life and it changed everything. Oh, man. I'm going to cry. <laughs> Me too. I'm all teary over here. Uh, it's, I, it is strange to think about it because it is kind of silly. Like the stuff that we do is so silly. And then when you recognize that it is a function of like a healthy brain. That's right. Like when people ask, like, how, what should I do? I'm like, you should always go walk. The answer is always to go walk <laughs> or just to move your body yep. because a, um, the lymph system, it's kind of ingenious, but that's kind of how it, you get rid of toxins, right? Your body just mechanically flushes them when you pump the muscle. And so if you just do low impact stuff, a lot of this stuff comes out of you. And one of the hardest things, maybe you can square this for me, even though it's kind of like, you know, 
squaring a circle to some degree is like when you're depressed and I mean like clinically and then maybe it's chemical and maybe you can clarify that part too because there's like behavioral and chemical and there's all sorts of contributors that come into it but essentially the brain doesn't want to do no more (laughs) it wants to just lay there and do nothing yeah and that makes it feel and one of the things is like all of the things that help depression are the things that you don't want to do Uh, exactly and the answer is always you're going to do it anyway in my office (laughs) I say I know you don't want to but this is what's happening this is how I explain it to people so I base this on Stephen Porges's work he's a goddamn genius if you try to read his book god bless you right because he's so damn smart yeah we're good um he's so damn smart that I, I can't like read his book. I can read his articles and I can definitely watch his YouTube videos right, because okay. he just explains things so well. So he talks about the vagus nerve. Okay. Mm-hmm. What's this guy's name again? Stephen Porges. Okay. Okay. So the vagus nerve yeah. is, okay. is the, it is the, it puts the brakes mm-hmm. on the nervous system. So we have sympathetic nervous system, mm-hmm. which is the accelerator. Um, parasympathetic nervous system is the brake. The vagus nerve is responsible for that. Mm-hmm. When things are going well, the accelerator and the brake are working together. Right. Right. You're driving in traffic. Oh, I need to stop. But we don't slam on the brakes. Mm-hmm. We just gently push down on it mm-hmm. and then accelerator. And we're generally doing this. Right. Like, so if you are just listening and you can't see my hands, I'm moving them back and <laughs> forth. <laughs> so that's all fine and good. What is happening when we're in a good place is the part of the vagus nerve that is firing is the front of it. The ventral vagal, the ventral vagal response, is like I can be calm, and have an array of emotion and still function. Mm-hmm. I can be mm-hmm. upset, I'm still functioning. I can be sad, I'm still functioning. I I can be happy, I can be, I can just, I can just have, I just flow through my life. I can cope with all the emotions. In a road ragey moment, I'm not actually going to shoot right. the guy. Okay. The dorsal, I mean, there's a sympathetic nervous system response where we have people who are like high anxiety and that means that the sympathetic nervous system is just way too strong. What people don't know about is the dorsal vagal response. Mm -hmm. You put enough stress on a human being, you give them enough adverse life events, you give them enough um, negative messages about themselves, Mm -hmm. about their, their, whether they belong or not. And the messages they don't belong they're mm-hmm. not loved they're not accepted um whatever the cause is so is it chemical is it behavioral it's actually both right because what happens in our our environment does fire in the brain or misfires in the brain right okay so it's all yeah. chemical it's all behavioral it all comes together when someone drops into a depression generally it's because there have been enough adverse life events or one major stressor that the body says fuck this brake goes on hard drops into the dorsal vagal response so you see this in nature mm-hmm. when a hyena and i use hyena because i think they're dicks okay <laughs> they're like they're if if adverse life experience wasn't had a spirit animal it'd, it'd be, be the <laughs> hyena they're just dicks they're just like they like to fuck with other yeah. animals just for fun mm. they laugh and they like they'll eat each other so they're like they're my spirit animal for adverse life events. So let's say it's chasing a gazelle. You see the gazelle immediately go into fight or flight. Sympathetic nervous system is on on board. Hyena catches it. You see it go limp. Mm-hmm. It's not dead. Right. It's going limp and going numb. 
hoping that the hyena is going to think, oh, this is dead meat. I don't want it. I don't want to play with it anymore. It's boring. Okay. Yeah. It also has this, like, if you can, you're not, if you're not watching the video, like your, um, the neck is presented because if the hyena will go for the neck, it's a quicker death. Yeah, it right. goes over fast. The dorsal vagal nerve also helps the body to go numb. If the hyena leaves the gazelle alone and it survives, it gets up and it shakes off the last bit of sympathetic nervous system arousal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the shake, right? Like yep. animals yeah. shake the their animals nervous system back. The animals shake, okay? Animals in the wild don't have, have PTSD. That gazelle does yeah. not develop PTSD. Right, no. It doesn't get depressed. It doesn't get anxious. It's like, cool, I'm gone, yeah. okay? Going back to the herd, I didn't die, whatever. I got to shake off the last it bit. It resets. It resets yeah. itself. We don't reset. Right. Yeah. We are not taught to reset. So the dorsal vagal shutdown is what is responsible for most depression that I see. Yeah, so th- we use in a like very like kind of uh, almost superficial way to reset the vagus nerve and put somebody mm-hmm. back into a neutral or parasympathetic uh, a sigh release. Yes. Right, sigh or tumor breath, double inhale or Love something it. to reset the system. We now like, now when we train um, hard or intensely, we actually have now learned late in the game to reset the system after because putting people from sympathetic into traffic is not like it's too much and you actually need to like calm the system down through like box breathing or something just to get it to neutral if you can yeah it probably won't be a true one but that's an interesting point and i think the thing would this be the same reason why like equine therapy is uh kind of teaches people how horses reset because they're you know tend to be prey animals uh and when you approach them with a certain nervous system they spook but they reset like instantaneously but you haven't as a human being right right you in fact if you spook a horse and then you immediately try you're still thinking about why you spooked it which will spook it again but if you can reset yourself and forget what just happened then you can usually approach a horse pretty similar when you drop back into your body Mm -hmm. the horse will calm down Mm-hmm. That's why they, it works. Equine therapy works because they're mirrors. They mirror right. people. Mm-hmm. They mirror humans. As soon as you get out of your head, the horse will calm down. And so when I'm working with the depressed person, I'm like, I don't care if you don't want to go for a walk right now. Get, get up mm-hmm. and we're going to move. Um, we do a ketamine clinic and yeah. ketamine's really helpful. It, it will jolt the nervous system out. But what I also tell people who are depressed is the problem is you have not had your release you mm-hmm. have not had the completion of whatever response put you into dorsal vagal shutdown. Right. So you're going to become agitated and anxious. And that's going to tell me that either therapy, ketamine therapy, equine therapy, I don't care what they're doing, mm-hmm. movement, any type of movement, breath work, yoga, whatever they choose to do for their, to like shock their system out of it. Yeah. You're going to get agitated and anxious before we get back to resetting mm-hmm. you into this ventral vagal response. That's really interesting. Um, and I ne- maybe I never thought about it because I definitely didn't do it because of this reason. But um, like in traffic, we talk about um, triggering yourself in order to remember how to, uh, just to get more deep breathing, conscious breathing in. So like something happens that might spur a sympathetic response and you train yourself to actually make it a parasympathetic response. Mm-hmm. So in, in traffic, somebody does something honks or, you know, flips you off or whatever you, 
you train yourself to treat that like, oh yeah, remember to take a breath and then be mad about it, yep. right? To like do the thing that's good for me first, and then if it's if I'm still angry, then it's probably worth being angry. It's worth being angry, and it's not going to put you out a ten out of ten. Yeah. It's going to bring you to a five right. where you're like, I mean, my my go to is motherfucker, <laughs> yeah. right? But mm-hmm. I'm not going to like get out of my car and right. pick yeah. a fight. <laughs> That's appropriate. I'm Big Anna. Yeah, I'm Big Anna. <laughs> Michael said I'm Big Anna, be afraid, right? <laughs> Here I come. Actually, if you got out of the car, I'd be like, something's up. Like, I'm just like, this girl's going to fuck me up or something. <laughs> she has special ninja skills or yeah. something. But but that is beautiful. What you're doing is you're pairing that, you know that jolt you get right. when you get a sympathetic nervous system response? Mm-hmm. If you can pair that with that's my reminder, that's my cue, that's yeah, trigger, yeah. To breathe, and breathing is my favorite way mm-hmm. to get back into a state. ventral vagal state. Then that will become the new pathway in your brain. Yeah. You could retrain that. And then your anger is at an appropriate level because anger is beautiful. Anger yeah. will be your protector. Mm-hmm. Anger only loves you, is what my friend Julia Law <laughs> says. She's a psychologist. She's brilliant. She told me one day, she's like, anger is your self love, it's, it's your protector. But if it's at a 10, it wants to like stab someone, right. which means you go to prison. Yeah. If it's at the appropriate level for whatever's going on, it will serve you. Should it be at a 10 sometimes? Yeah. If someone attacks my kid, if, yeah. if like someone, a Ten. kidnapper grabs my kid and is like trying to put him in the van, yeah. like gloves are off. Here comes Big Anna. And the adrenaline will serve me, right? But in traffic, it's like, okay, you're a motherfucker. I'm going to flip you off. And then I feel better about it because I completed the action. Yeah. I think this is something that I've had to train myself to do is like to uh, process the emotion when it's happening. Yes. Because any any repression is actually festering, right? Like even if- And it won't go away. No. And it's like- you do learn to moderate. Like, I guess my best example, and this actually was in front of London. It was pretty funny because I was like learning all of this stuff over the years and like, okay, so like I don't think of myself as a repressed person, but I always thought of myself as like having a really long fuse. Like I just was tempered, you know? And so like people would say stuff and I was like, oh yeah, it just takes me a while until it wasn't. And I noticed myself starting to snap at like little things were like driving me crazy and I was like, oh, there's probably a big bag of like resentment and like, this is interesting. So yeah. I kind of, and I didn't do it professionally, forgive me, but I just. I will forgive you. I, okay. <laughs> I read some books and I kind of therapized myself. <laughs> Which is fine. Okay. <laughs> I just, it's allowed. Okay. I, and I Thera- took, Coming I, to therapy is just one option. And I, we should look at all the options, I, right? I it's, think you're right because I, I wasn't like, I wasn't open to it, but I was okay. open to, you know mass amounts of psychedelic use and you get to give yourself credit for that you did what resonated with you i don't actually i give credit to the plant like it's like you know i mean the plant is a therapist too i think so it is i mean it does it's it's no matter what the plant is it's doing something but one of the things that it brought up was that I probably have some repression of anger that I haven't like got out years of frustration or something mm-hmm. like that. And I noticed that like anger actually is a very useful emotion it, when it's like fostered correctly. Mm-hmm. But any emotion has the potential for toxicity. It can be, it's all good and it's all bad. Like it can be all, it can <laughs> yeah. be a very, it can be very helpful and it can be very poisonous. I, it just depends. Oh man. 
I just when London, we were in the kitchen, and I was like already, pa- you know, I'm on the path. I'm like doing better, and like we're having a fun. Like we always cooked and joked around. And I remember I pulled something off the top shelf in the cabinet, and a fucking cutting board <gasps> fell right on my foot, and it hurt so fucking bad. I thought I broke my foot. Like I thought it was like. I watched it happen, and I think that's why I was so mad. <laughs> like, hey, I did it to myself, yeah. right? So I just like, and London like stood back, and she was like, "Are you okay?" And I go, "I'm fine, but just hold on a second. And I picked up the cutting board and broke it, and like threw it in the trash. And she was like, "Do you feel better?" And I was like, "I actually do feel better." What a smart fucking kid! <laughs> well, yeah, that's the right question to ask. Yeah. Do you feel better? Yeah, good. Yeah. She's like, well, we need a new cutting board. <laughs> well, that cutting board was now tainted with yeah, with my with, anger, with, with yeah. trauma. It was <laughs> it was a trauma <laughs> trigger, so it was not going to serve you anymore. It's but it's interesting how those like little things, those little cues, can save you. And now when I look at it, I'm like, oh my god, I was like on a path to self-destruction, whether I want to admit it or not. You know, maybe it would never be like you know, I'm not like a climb the clock tower kind of person. Although no, I just think you would have been really miserable. <laughs> I think so. I think that's yeah. all it would have been. It inverted, would have been miserable. Right? Yeah, you you were inverted. You were not like an, you were always a good friend, even in your darkest time. You were always there. I knew I could call you. I knew you were there, even if you were in a pissy mood. Like yeah. you were present, but you were not nice to yourself. So I think it would have just been internal. Yeah, probably you would just have a shit ton of stress really stress-related illness and inflammation and all that shit so this is uh kind of the other this is kind of the other feature that i think is really interesting about you know and we can call it the brain but i don't i've kind of like maybe i'm wrong correct me if this is like kind of outlandish but this is more eastern where they go like when you're born you're in your belly right like mm-hmm. everything, your mind is literally in your belly. Yes. Like all of the neurons are firing. And that traditionally for 5,000 years, they've known that. And so they, that's why you belly breathe when you're a kid. That's why like all of your senses are in your being, which is in your belly. Right. And then you develop emotionality somewhere between the ages of like five and seven. You start to like feel stuff tingling up in your heart space. And then that is literally the next cluster of neurons is where you're like learning to process emotions. And like you see, you know, the three and four and five year olds kind of like having temper tantrums and like learning to like deal with this new sensory input because they've gone from belly to kind of heart space. And then as we get educated, and I would argue indoctrinated, we start to like the mind comes on, right? The the awareness of thinking and overthinking and judging and all of this stuff, which is also very useful as an observation tool. But all the neurons that are clustered in the you know, cerebral cortex or whatever, all of those come online. And that's kind of where most humans stop because our education stops and it never brings us back where, you know, where it should cycle, which is back down into the belly where we should be we're so we're taught we're indoctrinated indoctrinated Mm -hmm. to be top down which is the opposite of what our ancestors were doing Mm -hmm. and it's what fucks us all up i would say that is at the core of most depression and anxiety right is being top down because our brains are not as smart as we think they are they're useful yes if If you utilized correctly, but what needs to be the driving force is down here in the belly, in the belly where we, if we'll just fill into what our bodies are telling us and go with the flow of Mm -hmm. what the body is telling us, 
then we can process emotion and then make more correct observations or more useful or helpful or adaptive Mm -hmm. observations that don't fuck us up. I I like the term adaptive in that sense too, because like the discussion of having the discussion argument of like, oh, is that true? And it's just like, well, is it useful? Yeah. Does it help me? Yeah. Because there's, especially like with the, the larger, more important discussions, it's just like, how much energy would it take to try and define true or false Too much. and <laughs> to who and for how long? Whereas like you were saying, you're like, well, I believe this and it makes my life sensible. It makes it easy to carry and foster these relationships. It keeps it from becoming a clinical uh, <laughs> issue because it's like, exactly. it's these relationships that you can build and create and, and share. And as a result, it's just like, Oh, like I, I had it wrong because I was in the same same boat for some time of like trying to find out like this is true this is you know mm-hmm. it's a seventeen year old boy like just like <laughs> I'm going to find out what's right and then I'll prove it to everyone and it's just like wait like that led me into a very depressed place yeah. and you know thinking back on it like the way time moved during those months was so strange. Mm. Um, always like couldn't sleep but also never was awake just all the all the cliches and it's just, i was a teenage boy like yeah like everything's just a mess and it was the same decision where it was just like i don't like this what what comes next and it's like if i can't fix this nothing matters yeah. and so it turned very much into being like what do i not like about myself and stop that like what what's helping you and what's not and that like this is a created experience it's curated by by me and it's like yeah this happened that sucks i can keep carrying it and keep doing it or i can stop and yeah it felt for a little while inauthentic to be like oh like i decided i'm gonna be like this and now i'm gonna do it like (laughs) am i am i pretending and it was just like who cares? Matter. Yeah. Well, Who cares, right? What, like, is that important <laughs> yeah. right now? It's like, oh. You're breaking new brush. <laughs> so, like, when you look at the hiking trails in the right. mountains, like, it's be- people oh, have yeah. worn it down, right? right? And then you're asking your brain, let's create a new pathway. Well, we're going to break brush. We're going to get cut up doing yeah. it. And it's going to feel weird and awkward and it's not fun. And it feels like, why the why the so much what more the work. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's so much more energy. But then in the end, it ends up being more adaptive, right? And the old path will become overgrown. Yeah. So I this is kind of interesting because we just had Trevor Thompson on yesterday, uh, a friend of ours who you know he's like a crazy adventurer, does like kite suit flying and fucking I don't know. He's Trevor, and so he's been doing a bunch of backcountry skiing, which I got into this year. And we're why have we not gone? Oh, do you go too? Yes. Uh, I snow. I split board. Um, I will. I will go with yeah someone so, on a snowboard. I, okay. I'm not. I'm not going to embarrass you, right? I'm just a little bit, but just <laughs> <kidding>. <laughs> so on the on that note of like breaking, if you're cutting the track in, uh-huh. right? What it mean? Why it's worth the work is because you're the first down, exactly. right? And so the amount of work that you have to do is I don't know if I had to like maybe it's 25 percent more work, 30. Even if it was 100% more work, it wouldn't really matter yeah. because if you've ever touched fresh powder, and this is this is how I would like 
the amount of relaxation I have by not doing what other people told me and figuring out a path on my own that led to how I am now. You're like it. Not like every day is like the most overjoying thing because I'm fucking exhausted from like working. <laughs> but I have a, a sensation that like I'm feeling things that other people don't get to feel because I decided to take a different path. Now, that's not for everybody. I'm not telling people to do what I did because I think your own ex you can't just follow me and I can't just follow somebody else because then you're on somebody else's tracks. Um, sometimes it's helpful, though, to go, you know, man, I'm really lost. We'll get on somebody else's tracks that's yeah. headed in the same direction and get like kind of a free ride a little bit. And then when you can, when you gather yourself, get your energy, get back and do your own thing as soon as you can because it will be worth it. And you're like, I think a lot of what I did was, A, I used Mark and like, I used him for an example. I used Aaron. You know, you, you uh, curate your environment kind of right. like to put up these people who you think are living kind of correctly. And you just model them a little bit, but then you do it your way. And sometimes you fuck it up and, you know. But that's so good, though, to fuck mm -hmm. it up. You fuck it up, you figure yeah. out what doesn't work, you figure out, I don't like that, I'm going to make it more adaptive. What a beautiful metaphor. And this is where the tribe has to exist. Like, we have to be tribal. Yeah. So that we're, we have examples. So we say, oh, I like what they're doing. Um, does that make me inauthentic? No. Mm-hmm. Like, even yeah. if, if we're faking it for a minute, okay, cool. Like, try it on, see how it works. And, and it is interesting how it will evolve into your own if you'll just kind of let yourself be in your belly, mm -hmm. listen to your own good intuition. We're so disconnected from ourselves as a species from our intuition, at least in this country. There are other, there are other cultures who do it way better and who sure. are just really in their bodies. But when you can do that, like magic happens. What do you think like uh, bigger picture stuff? Because I think most people, they use the term tribal as a pejorative because I think it's most often used by media and authority to be aimed as a weapon, right? Like us versus them becomes the tribal thing as opposed to us taking care of each other because yeah. that's how a tribe actually works. Like warring between tribes is actually very rare. It's, very rare it's not yeah. there's not, it's not sustainable practices no. you, you know it's not how we survived as a species no posturing is right. is normal yeah. um but that's you know posturing i would say is is basically like an expression of confidence <laughs> and defend like there's all sorts of things that go into it but we, we've looked at oh everybody's just so tribal and i'd be like no they're not they're not taking care of each other <laughs> Community would probably be a better word. Like we're yeah. a community. Like we need a, everyone needs a community. Mm -hmm. uh, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert or whatever, even if you don't like want to surround yourself with a lot of people, we need to feel belongingness. We need to feel nurtured. We need mm -hmm. to feel like somebody gives a shit. I, and I, I would say this is like, so Aaron is a hermit through and through. Uh-huh. She, and she's a, she's a FOMO hermit, right? Like she will know, she knows herself if she like, if there's something happening and she's not feeling right, she'll go home and then she'll like wonder what it would have been like the whole time. <laughs> but she'll also know that she shouldn't have been there because mm -hmm. she needs to like retreat or whatever. So she tends to like silo herself and you know, she like, and I'm not. I'm like a true extrovert. Like I get energy from interacting with different people. And although it can be fatiguing sometimes, most of the time I can just keep going. Like it's a and it's just human design stuff. But like, <laughs> so cool. There's energetic stuff there that's at play. But for the yeah. most part, uh, we're different. 
uh, we sleep differently as in like she needs to go to bed before I need to be exhausted. There's certain things that like work for us. The shocking thing I think that like made it so apparent that we were kind of like doing right things was uh, after London had passed, the amount of people that showed up in order to support or just um, cook or say something or not say something or just be there. uh, I think that was like kind of shocking to both of us. Like we didn't really know how to handle it. Um, it, It was almost uh like it was undeserved a little bit you're like man this is so weird that like people would do this um but i think it reflected the fact that we had fostered community like we have taken people through uh experiences that they when they were in hardship or they were going through something and it just that is in the sense like that that's literally what a community is for for like when the worst things happen people show up and make sure that everybody's okay and you're like it's it's kind of astounding because you can't fake that like right that that's not that, it sounds weird but that's one of those things that has to come out of being like your true self right yes just showing up authentically it doesn't mean you have to put a ton of energy and it doesn't take a lot to foster community mm-hmm. you you just have to make some connection some connection and that's enough just being authentically yourself showing up when you can mm-hmm. not showing up when you can't being around people who can accept both because yeah, she's a hermit. Hmm. I I remember like, I mean, I've known her for a really long time too. And she's always been like that, but I like, she's always been in my mind because she leaves an impression, right? Mm-hmm. She leaves her energy yeah. stays with you even if she's not. And so, so it doesn't take a lot, but we have to make a little bit of an effort to just put it out there make sure that we're somewhat connected and it's okay, perfectly acceptable to take care of yourself. But but I would say it was definitely deserved because you don't realize the impact you have on people just by being your authentic self. Um, I don't think we do because we just talk into microphones and like, <laughs> you know, honestly, it doesn't feel like we're doing anything. And I think yeah. that's why it felt kind of surreal is because yeah. although like, yeah, I know we help people because we answer questions and they come in, they train and we like, you know, it's almost like, a, well, it, I think it's just inherent to both of our, she's a natural teacher, even though she would never admit that. Mm-hmm. Like if somebody gets her on a topic that she knows about, like she'll see it through, like she'll make sure to communicate the idea so that person understands. That's something like not even I can do that. There's this really funny story, by the way, and I have to tell it because it's super fucked up. Um, <laughs> I took somebody through a mystical experience, I'll say. <laughs> And it was not going well. <laughs> In fact, I kind of got the dose wrong. And it was like, a, like I would say 10 times what I thought it was going to be. And this person was kind of, you know, losing it a little bit. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm just not set up to do this. And I was like, you know, we, we've done all the classic things that you're supposed to do. And eventually I'm like, I'm going to call Aaron. In the middle of it, I'm like, Aaron, this is what's going on. And she goes, oh, let me talk to him. On the phone, hey, how you doing? And like, she took him out of it just like immediately. And I was like, pissed. I was like, what the fuck, man? She can just do things. that. And I was like bitching in the background while she was talking to this guy, talking him down. And I was like, but it was also probably one of the best expressions of it. I, I have a kind of a question like how if if you were going to tell somebody because this is the the question is like how do you find community I couldn't tell somebody how to do it 
right? How do, how do you find your tribe or how do you find your people so that you are more protected, so you have better feedback? All the things that we've been talking about are kind of circulating on environment and in your own state. And I guess what I would say is like a checks and balance. Mm-hmm. Like what advice is there for somebody who's grown up in this society that is partitioned, that is separate, that is for lack of a better time, like stay at home and get on the computer. Like that's kind of what we were told for a couple of years. And that's right. kind of our behavior that we're at now. Like what, what, what the fuck is the advice? I say, I tell people find out, like just start to fill into what might you be interested in doing? You utilize technology, mm. figure out where there are people doing that thing, go and take a really big chance and look stupid mm-hmm. and do it anyway mm-hmm. and see what happens. Mm. It's not it's not that you're gonna find your best friends. Like, like let's say that you wanna go hiking and you find a hiking group and it doesn't mean, like if you can make connection with one person, okay, good. You're learning, the, the social engagement part mm. of your brain needs like to be exercised, especially post COVID. Mm. So, so if you're not meeting friends through friends, if you don't, um, belong to a group, you might have to put yourself into some uncomfortable situations, but I promise it's not going to kill you. Yeah. It feels like it's going to because the... the, <laughs> like the I joined the Hell's Angels. You were right. wrong. In. <laughs> <laughs> well, God damn it, Michael. I didn't mean them. <laughs> Nobody with... No, with, I got involved it, in this really cool group. It's all, It's called uh, QAnon. No, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so first of all, check in with me before you actually go. Okay, just take a fucking just, painting class. Just yeah, just like shoot me a text. Like, what is the group called? What is their main interest? It's like like look at what's happening in the community. Does it look interesting? Mm-hmm. Go and try it out. These are for this is for people who don't have any social connection. If you do have some social connections, tell your friends. Introduce me to other people. Like, <laughs> like build your network through. Like I have some friends who moved here from San Francisco who were not friends when they moved here. The way that they found friends was they knew one other person yeah. who was a friend of mine. And so they had to ask though and request because it naturally wouldn't have happened. How do we like yeah. connect with other people in the community? We hit it off. It's all good. But if you are completely socially isolated, that needs to stop because everybody needs connection and you're going to have to be uncomfortable. It is good to be uncomfortable. It means you're growing. It means you are forging a new pathway in your brain to do something hard and you can do hard things and you can be uncomfortable and you can fail and you can fall on your face and people will be there. People naturally, when you fall down, what do people do? They don't throw things at you. They want to help you up. They're like, Oh my God, are you okay? Right. I've like every time I've like been in a race and I have fallen on my face, which happens often. Mm -hmm. Like I will kick a rock and there I go. People are like, oh, my God, are you okay?" Like they give a shit. They care. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And and so even just being amongst other people gets the social engagement system firing at least. And then maybe you start recognizing people that you're drawn to energetically. Like you talk about I'm drawn to weird. Mm hmm fuck yeah like find the weirdos mm-hmm. if you're a weirdo come find us well, they're here. Like, you'll recognize us they have found us we're here here we are if you're listening right now you found us we're super fucking That's weird amazing. yeah uh, i want to be respectful of your time because i know you 
left a busy day to come out here. Is there anything else? Uh, is there? So how would people find you? First of all, is there a place where they can look you up? If you're even open to that, if you yeah, don't want looking yeah. Up? My website is so the, my practice is called Peak View Psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. So I think it's peakviewpsychotherapy.com nice. is my website. So you can go to my website. You can see all my contact info. You can see what I do. Cool. Um, always feel free to reach out. I. Do you have a specialty, like a like um, a demographic that you are more inclined to work with? I work with pretty much all ages and genders okay. and um, just whoever finds me. I just, I don't know what it is. The universe may just be really looking out for me. I just have a really cool clientele. Hmm. So if you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> Come find me. You Come can find sit me. with us. Yeah, if, it, you, if, you're, if you're not opposed to if weird. If you're weird and cool. If you're weird and cool. If you feel like you're a weirdo, like you probably fit really well with me. Um, people who are, who want their spiritual beliefs to be really respected. And like, I'm very open to yeah. um, people who, f- like like you said, like their therapy isn't the only way. Like right. there are other ways too. And if you, like that's, I would say that I'm a pretty open person as far as therapy goes. Um, I My specialty, I mean, I'm trained to do specific therapies like EMDR therapy, mm-hmm. ketamine-assisted therapy, stuff like that. But really what it comes down to is connecting with the person and their energy and figuring out, okay, your treatment's going to look different than everyone else's because you're a different human mm-hmm. than the person that was in here before <laughs> me. And so, yeah. Yeah. So Awesome. Oh, thank yeah. you so much for taking the time. I, I want to have you back, actually, and, and get into some... Because I think we have... <laughs> there's probably a lot of ground to cover. I, I would love to. Awesome. Thank you for taking the time out. And thanks, Berkey, for mm. popping in. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you.